Hi, friend. It's Brittany Moses. And Ranella Kalagithi. And you're listening to Speaking Our Minds, the podcast that brings you honest and nuanced conversations around mental health, holistic wellness, and the real complexities of what it means to be human in the challenges of today's world, where we have fun, fascinating, and meaningful discussions around how to live a more insightful, connected, and whole life from the inside out. Joined by guest professionals, thought leaders, and some of my friends and those with lived experience. As always, we ask that you keep in mind that the views and opinions shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. We're so glad you're here. Follow the conversation on Instagram at Speaking Our Minds Pod and sit with us because we're diving in. This podcast episode is brought to you by WeShare by UHSM, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.weshare.org or call 1-800-900-8476. Welcome back to the Speaking Our Minds podcast. This is Brittany and Ranella. I'm glad you picked up on that. I wasn't sure if you were going to... I am very keenly I see that. aware of what's happening around yeah. me. It's a trauma response. <laughs> oh, that's something to unpack for another day. Halfway joking, but you know. <laughs> Today, we are diving into the light topic of cancel culture. Ooh. Wow. You know, just we've kind of hinted at it, I feel like, throughout this season. And mm-hmm. just like, why not dive right into it as we're talking about the nuances of what it means to be human and really how cancel culture can sometimes not take a very nuanced approach to people, but also it can be, uh, it's highlighting the necessity of accountability where there's harm at the same time. And that is the nuance of cancel culture. Yes. And that is um, obviously a buzzword, something that people have heard, but can you kind of dive into a little bit more of like, what what do we mean when we're talking about cancel culture for maybe those people who are just being more exposed to it now? Yeah, that's a great question because we need to be on the same page about the definition of what we're talking about so that we know across the board, since all our biases can be coloring these things. So canceling can range from like call outs and public shaming to even organized boycotts of a person's work or affiliated brand. And it's really not anything new, but I feel like the internet has kind of amplified it, especially mm. in 2020. And so the rec- the repercussions of being quote unquote canceled can vary from, you know, facing significant personal or professional consequences while others might not really experience a lot of backlash or it might kind of be momentary and then die down and it doesn't really affect them too largely. They still have their communities. They still Mm -hmm. have their people that are backing what they do. Um, So that's kind of what cancel culture is. It's generally like somebody has done something that is seen as publicly harmful. Yeah. And so people will quote unquote cancel them through boycotting or call-outs really to raise awareness, to bring accountability to what is going on. Because Mm -hmm. oftentimes there is a 
a, a dynamic where there is an unequal power structure, right? Typically, mm-hmm. the person has maybe a higher platform or higher status or more uh, reach. And so maybe the quote-unquote victims or those who are harmed or those who are speaking out against it, maybe they have less of a platform or maybe they 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 don't want others to be harmed by this person. So they're amplifying their voices through the internet to raise awareness to what this person is doing in ways that they might not have had the power or reach to do this otherwise. So when you're describing all of this to me, if I was just learning about this for the first time, yeah. I'd be like, well, what's so wrong about holding people I, accountable? And what's so wrong about right. speaking out? And, you know, so obviously there's a lot of nuance to what we're talking about, but, you know, um, and and we're going to talk about like the history of the rise of cancel culture, but at the outset, it almost, it it totally makes sense why you would want someone who seems harmful to society or to certain groups or whatever to be canceled. Right. I think, and we'll talk about this more too, is the nuance of like, does it, it could also create a fear where people are now afraid to share their thoughts or opinions mm-hmm. because maybe they don't know how it's going to offend somebody else or they're afraid of being canceled by certain groups. And, you know, so right. it can also maybe mute voices as well. And so hmm. that's what we want to get into. But thinking about the history of cancel culture, you know, I would say the rise of social media platforms like Twitter, like Facebook, like Instagram in the late 2000s and like 2010s really provided a space for people to share their opinions instantly and widely. This made it easier for collective, you know, groups to gain traction quickly. So really the 2010s saw a a heightened focus on social justice issues, especially Mm. around race, gender, sexuality, Mm -hmm. and other aspects of identity. And so because of this, there was a a greater accountability, a greater emphasis on holding people accountable for maybe their prejudice remarks or actions, both past and present. You know, that was the other thing. People were like digging out tweets or tumblers from years ago and finding like, oh, they had this problematic view in the past and now it's being brought back to light. So there was that happening too, Hmm. where it's like, okay, we're lifting this to the fire. Like, do you still think this? Do you still agree this? And then you're kind of judging people now based off of things they said so long ago. And I, I mean, I've changed so much in 10 years. Yeah. This is so interesting because even as you're kind of describing the early 2000s, 2010s, and I'm sure that in the past decades, they had their own versions of this. They did. Yeah. It's Um, it's just kind of our, you know, our perspective and our time frame and timeline. But I always kind of think on this macro level of the fact that as a society, we go through grieving processes and cultural shifts together. Yeah. And it almost feels like the imagery that I get when we talk about people speaking out, holding accountable is like this repressed person for decades who hasn't been able to feel a sense of justice, who's finally being able. Yeah. Yeah. So within the nuance of this whole conversation is the fact that sometimes we have to go through these very extremes um, because... There has been, because there's just been the opposite for so long. Yeah. You know, maybe certain people, you know, demographics, people, certain cultures, 
um, people groups have not been able to use their voice. And all of a sudden with the rise of social media and where like every person, as long as you have a phone or some sort of audio and you have a platform, you can share. And there's something that's actually profoundly empowering, Mm -hmm. um, you know, about that, that is beautiful. And yet at the same time, I think we're kind of getting to the place where we realize like, oh, there is a little bit more nuance than just what we're seeing. It's kind of like a pendulum swing, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like things have been so much in this way, like yeah. swung one way, and now it's swinging back. And so as it's swung back, it's swinging back higher and to maybe more extremes. Mm. And with time, hopefully things will kind of start to level out. As more conversations are happening, as yeah. more nuanced conversations are happening, we'll get a perspective. And so it's true, like historically, mainstream media controlled much of mm-hmm. the narrative. But now the internet has given a voice to really anyone and Mm -hmm. given a voice to those who felt marginalized or unheard and is allowing them to challenge dominant narratives and figures and call out injustices. So really, modern-day cancel culture is a product of the digital social media age and these sociocultural shifts Mm. and evolving modes of communication. So it's kind of all these factors um, that are now existing at the same time that is leading to this amplification yeah. And whenever we think of pendulum swings, even in our own personal lives or our yeah. own journeys and experiences, and especially collectively as a society, mm-hmm. sometimes we tend to shame and look down on pendulum swings because again, like, you know, we're always looking for that balance and that nuance and that perf- perfect place. Right. But I think we have to acknowledge that this is part of the human process, the human yeah. growth of evolving yeah. is the need to like figure out where we need to be. And, and with yeah. the access and greater, I guess, power for each person does come like greater responsibility yeah. and, and comes with the need to develop skills that allow us to utilize the tools we have in a way that's not harmful. Right. So that being said, I think this would be a great time to talk about kind of the pros and cons of cancel culture. As we talked about the pros, obviously, when I hear all of this, it's like, hey, there's accountability. Right. People who in the past, and I, and I love accountability, actually, <laughs> because, um, you know, people are empowered when they know that their mm-hmm. words have weight. Mm-hmm. And when justice can be served, when things can be done, because especially being a woman and a woman of color and just yeah. knowing the heritage that I have of women who were not allowed to talk about things, yeah. I think it is really powerful and beautiful when people yeah. can hold others accountable. So there is that pro of being able yeah. to say like, hey, we have this platform. I um, think about really mm-hmm. quickly like Harvey Weinstein, mm. that whole thing. And I, I don't know right. if anyone else watched that documentary. It's horrendous. But, you know, but again, that's someone who had such massive power yes, and pull in right. the in the industry and in his field, you know, and he was utilizing that. And when someone has that much power, not only that, like protection around them mm-hmm. from other people, right. you might not be able to use the traditional mediums to exactly. get to this person right? because they're so protected. They can afford lawyers. They can afford, right. you know, people to cover up their tracks. They can mm-hmm. afford all these things, right? And so this kind of provides another route of accountability to get to someone in ways in which maybe the traditional routes of trying to go for that person may not 
work right away or you may need more voices or eyes or more attention on this thing right. in order for it to get the traction that you need. And Absolutely. that's kind of a pro. Yeah. Of, being able to have your voice amplified in that way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a good example. Um, Awareness, being able to, you know, have a mass audience, you know, and being able to spread the awareness of the issues that are at hand Mm -hmm. and democratizing power. Um, This gives the vulnerable a voice that may have been silenced by those in positions of power, like you were talking about. Yeah. And, you know, every person's experience is valid and valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can ultimately lead to change. So those are some obvious pros of, mm-hmm. of um, I guess, the the side of cancel culture that allows people to have, to, to be held accountable. Yeah. For justice to be served in otherwise vulnerable situations. Right. Super important. And then some of the pros would be that it can create a mob mentality. Some of the cons. Sorry. That is a con. (laughs) I mean, I suppose. And some of the cons (laughs) might be that it can create a mob mentality Mm -hmm. where, you know, all these people kind of foster and rally against this person, maybe sometimes off of things that they don't really know about or they don't really have all the facts about this person, but they are just going after this person because other people are going after them without even really knowing the nuance of this person or their situation or that maybe they said this thing 10 years ago, but they've made changes since then and they've made active changes. But because other people are going after them from their past and everyone kind of hops on and, and the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. on demonizing this person, and it can create that mob mentality. Um, also, a con is that there is a lack of nuance, again, like we said. So we're not thinking about all of the layers that are involved in, in seeing a person as human. And while that doesn't excuse um, harmful behavior, Absolutely. it also it becomes rigid and it doesn't allow us the grace for people to grow. It doesn't mm-hmm. leave room for people to grow. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to the other con, which is these long-term consequences where there is no room for rehabilitation and there is no room for growth, you know, and it can affect these people's lives greatly, even if their story is like cleared up. Mm -hmm. All of that, all of these terrible things about them are already put out there. They've already been publicly demonized. There's already a digital footprint about this person, you know, and it just leaves out maybe other details and different things. Um, And then Lastly, a big con is that it can lead to fear of expression, which is what I think a lot of people are experiencing Mm. who are even just Mm well-meaning, who are just like, I'm afraid to express my true thoughts on something, or I'm afraid (laughs) to express my my thoughts about these ideas because I don't want to be canceled by Mm -hmm. all these different groups Mm -hmm. um, because whatever you say, somebody is going to feel offended by You know what I mean? And so where's the balance of having freedom of expression and learning through those freedoms of expression and having honest dialogue, you know? Um, And yeah, just being able to have those honest dialogues without automatically demonizing people for it. Right. And at the end of the day, there does come a point where you have to accept too that that you might say something that might not be what the majority wants to hear. But again, I think as long as you are putting, really truly putting relationships first, Mm -hmm. humans first, 
um, because honestly, I don't see personally cancel culture as being evil. Right. And being like necessarily wrong. Right. But I think it's so important to recognize that that there's there is more to the story. Yes. And at the same time, you can't expect, you know, it's easy for us if we were to look at a certain celebrity or a certain person that yeah. said something, did something, and we weren't part of the group or demographic or whatever they were talking about and unaffected. But once you are a part of that, once group. you are kind of that that victimized person and that person that, um, you know, has been talked about and against, it becomes very personal. Yeah. And you want to cancel them. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't want to hear like, from you them. You need to go. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go forever. You're done. You're done. Right. Yeah. So just like that recognition <laughs> too, that, that there's it's nothing real. wrong also with like yeah. feeling that strong feeling of yeah. like, I want, need justice. People like that shouldn't have a voice, a platform and be able to talk yeah. about those things. There has to be that accountability. But of course, pros and cons. Yeah. It just makes it really hard in this day and age because now we're at a place again where we have a digital footprint. Before in other generations, you didn't have this evidence, this public evidence of mm-hmm. things that you said, you know, five, 10 years ago. Right. And now we do because many of us have these social platforms. So we're all subject to be held accountable to the things that we've said, Right. you know? And I know, like I've said a million times on here, my views have changed a lot over the past 10 years. I've grown <laughs> a lot. I've been exposed too. to so much more, right. you know? And so if I were to be held accountable to things I said 10 years ago, I'd be like, I don't know her. You know, Literally. I don't know who she is. Literally. Literally. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the other thing is also allowing ourselves the grace to grow, especially if you're a public person. I think you do Mm -hmm. have to realize that that comes with the territory. Absolutely. We could be saying things on the podcast right now Mm -hmm. that in 10 years, we're going to look back on and be like, we knew nothing. Oh, yeah. We knew nothing about that. Like, we did not. Yeah. We were not considering A, B, C, D factors when we were talking about this. Or I see this in a totally different way, Mm -hmm. but I've accepted that. I've, like, accepted when I do things online. I'm like, I might cringe in 10 years at what I'm saying right now because right now I'm cringing at things I said 10 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> and that's just life. I'm going to allow myself to grow yeah. and allow myself to be human, but also be conscious. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, the core issue um, that that is really important to hold accountable is when harm's harm being is done. done. That's when harm yeah. is being done or perpetuated. Right. Yeah. And allowed and it's systemic or, you know, someone with a lot of power. And so I think that yeah, um, yeah that is the specific thing that yeah. that I think has no justification for allowing to continue. Right. There needs to be accountability for that. But but in this conversation with Michael Nelder, yes. There, you know, you there's going to be a conversation that hopefully is a little bit more nuanced and mm-hmm. draws some of those lines for us personally so that we can still have the empowerment to express ourselves and yeah. yet and yet at the same time just the awareness of of the cultures around us. Yes, we are bringing on my good friend, Michael Nelder, today to talk about cancel culture. And before we do that, you know, for those who are wondering how familiar we are with cancel culture, according to the Pew Research Center in September 2020, surveying U.S. adults, over 44% of Americans say they have heard at least, you know, a fair amount or a phrase about cancel culture. Mm. So 
almost about half of us do know about it. Mm. And actually over 58% of U.S. adults say in general, calling out others on social media is more likely to hold people accountable, while 38% say it is more likely to punish people who don't deserve it. Wow. So there are different views, you know, about... Um, how people are viewing this. And so it's, again, when we're talking about how to be better and more loving humans in a polarized world, these are the type of conversations that we want to be having. Absolutely. So Michael Nelder is actually a friend that I met through a mutual friend's birthday party. And she was kind of like, you have to meet this guy. And then we connected online and this company called Like You Cards with uh, his wife and a friend, I believe. Mm. And they basically created these conversation cards to reduce awkward conversations and to help get to know people and their stories Mm. and their vulnerability so that you see them as human and not just as how they present or maybe what you thought they were like Mm. or maybe what your biases were and how you categorize them when you saw them. And so it's all about connecting people. And as you know, Ranella, we had him for our in-person event in Hollywood for Mm -hmm. our mental wellness pop-up social where we use these cards to open up our event and get to know one another. Um, And he also does like spoken word poetry and he's just a brilliant mind and I couldn't wait to have him on to have this conversation with. Yeah, I love artists like that who can kind of take you know, the the nuances and the depth of the human experience uh-huh. and then like make it something practical, like here are questions to ask. Yeah. Um, and we used those question cards and they were really deep. And I love seeing those question cards going around that are helping people kind of go deeper in their relationships, yeah. understand the complexities of one another a little bit more. Yeah. So I'm really excited to hear from Michael. Yeah. And I feel like that's the point of art and artists is to be able to highlight the things that are going on in society mm-hmm. that are either issues or problematic or even beautiful yeah. and to make a conversation about it through art. And he does that so well. And so I know that I'm the one that's interviewing him for this episode as you are in the Philippines while this is airing. Hi, future yep. Ranella. Yay! <laughs> are there any questions that you would want to ask Michael or any yeah. thoughts? Yes, um, I absolutely would love to hear his thoughts on how you shift culture. Mm. Because I think when we're talking about cancel culture, this is one aspect of culture that we're trying to um, inform a little bit more, bring that nuance. And and this is one way that he has contributed through these question cards. And does he have other... Um, ideas and and practical ways in daily life, you know, for mm-hmm. people who are listening, what are ways that um, that people can really open up those conversations, whether right. they are at work, whether they're at home, in their families, at their school, yeah, in um, different you know social environments. What are practical ways that as individuals we can understand the complexities of one another a little bit more? And um, individually, but also like collectively, yeah. what are more practical ways? Because I'm I'm always looking for like, what can we do when we leave this podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, we can apply. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what is the importance of really sitting with people and listening to their stories? Because oh, like yeah. we've said before, it's easy to categorize, demonize, polarize a group when we don't know people's stories and when they are at a distance or those relationships are at a surface level or we don't really spend time associate with them, it's really easy to kind of demonize an entire group. 
Yes. But stories are the medium that break down those walls and allow us to see people as human. And stories happen through conversation. And so I think that's really powerful. And I'd love to hear kind of his thoughts on storytelling as a storyteller Mm -hmm. through poetry. Um, I think it'll be a really beautiful conversation. Yeah. And I was going to say another follow-up to that, a follow-up question. Um, It's easy when certain issues of not like, how do you not cancel someone that has really, truly, genuinely hurt you? Mm-hmm. Even if it was not directed personally at you, but but people like you. Yeah. Or, you know, or even personally, because that's when things get really difficult. I'm dealing with my own hurts yeah. that I've had from people that I would freaking love to cancel. Fair, <laughs> fair. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> and in the past, you know, and I've had to kind of go back and forth and realize like, yeah. they, I know, I know, I, even though I don't feel it, I know that there's good in them. Somewhere. <laughs> and I, you know, deep, like, deep, 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 deep down in there. And it's like, sometimes it's like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I want to cancel them because there's a part of me that I want to cancel. There's a part of my story I yeah. w- because I see myself in them yeah. or I see a past self in them. So yeah. how, when people have really genuinely directly hurt you, how do you, I mean, well, how is that even possible? Oh, that's interesting because now you're not talking about like cancel, canceling someone publicly. You're yeah. actually talking about canceling someone privately. In your like, head. In my that, mind. Because in it my starts life, here. And that, yeah. yeah, that's where it starts is in my heart, mind, and convictions. Yeah. That I'm like, it, life would be better without you in it. Can you? So <laughs> let me go publicly and cancel you. Can you set boundaries with someone, which is yes. healthy and understandable, without canceling them as a human being? Can you hold them accountable? accountable. And are there shades? Like, are there certain cases where it's like, no, absolutely, you must be canceled. And then are there shades of like, like, you know what I mean? I think we've got great questions to ask here. So I'll be looking forward to listening to this (laughs) episode while I am with your family on a pina colada in the, no, I'm just joking. I mean, when we go (laughs) anyway, it's for another time. (laughs) I'll be having fun in the Philippines. That's for sure. So here is my conversation with Michael Nelder. So I have my friend Michael with me. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I have to say, I love our conversations. So this was a selfish request to have more time to talk to you. Wow, I'm flattered. (laughs) Truly. It's like every time we cross paths and link up, whether it's at like a mutual friends event or something you're doing or, you know, you're at our event. I feel like whenever we're talking, we cover so much in such a short period of time. I like our conversations as well. I was thinking like, is there water anywhere around here or do we, we need like... <laughs> should probably get some water. I think, I it, it's, I think we're, we're good. We're going to be good. We're primed we'll, and we'll, ready. We'll, let's not even think about good or bad or right we're just or gonna wrong. Be, we're just going to be here. We're just going to be present. Yeah. And so, you know, our theme for this month is how to be better humans in a polarized culture. Mm. So this month we're talking about biases. We're talking about cultural intersectionalities and how having various cultural intersections shapes the way you view the world Mm. um, and view the people around you and your reality of the world around you. And uh, we also talked about how to approach conflict in healthy ways uh, among a diversity of people with the diversity of views and perspectives. And so this week we're talking about unpacking cancel culture because I feel like we cannot have this conversation in whole without talking about cancel culture in our society. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No one cancel me. 
Yeah, let's... And we will try to do all of that without getting canceled right. on our own. Right. Who knows? Maybe we might be canceled. You guys can be the judges after this Maybe. And you know what? I want to start off by saying I have released the heavier burden of being judged, mm-hmm. you know, for for, yeah. for the lighter version for the lighter burden of yeah. being with myself and, and allow myself That's grace important. and space to be where I'm at. I think in order to think yeah. you have to risk being offensive in order to be on your journey. That means you have to be on your path. And I think that, um, yeah, w- which is to say, I don't think that anybody could cancel me or you for real. Like, like <laughs> the only person down. that I think that could cancel me is me. So there is, I, we're going to talk about that. I am, I am, there is a fundamental and unique Uh aspect in nature to who Mm -hmm. I am. I, no one has a monopoly on God's voice. Mm, I feel like, um, yeah. Um, God can use all of that. Yeah. Michael, one of the reasons why I also wanted to bring you into this conversation is because you have, um, you guys have created Like You Cards. Absolutely. And your vision is to create a platform that combats cancel culture and bullying by fostering a community rooted in empathy, understanding, and shared experiences. And in today's climate of opinions and divisiveness, you guys believe in bringing people together through storytelling and conversations to show them their similarities and draw them closer to one another. And... You know, I rave about Like You Cards and we've used it our, at our events. Um, and I love that that's your mission. And that's the other reason why I wanted to chat about this. And so can you tell us a little bit about Like You Cards and what is the reason you guys started it? What led you to start it in the first place? Yeah, so like... What they are. Yeah. yeah so like, <laughs> so so started in 2020 at the mm. at the... I'm like height of everything. At the height of everything, right? Uh, Trump presidency, George Floyd mm-hmm. murder, the pandemic oh ensuing. And we saw the ways in which the world was becoming yeah. increasingly more polarized. Yep. And my team and I, we said, how how do we how do we create something that brings people together instead of drives folks further apart. And I think um, we were thinking about what is, what, what is creating a bridge to understanding look like? There's this, there's a saying, we've talked about it before. The most powerful words besides I love you are me too. Mm. And uh, Mm -hmm. that really is the genesis because we couldn't call them me too cards. (laughs) Yeah. Because that had its whole thing. That had its whole thing. (laughs) So another way of saying, we thought about it. How could we say me too? Well, we thought, oh, like you. I love it. So that was, that is how we came up with the idea to, to uh, produce like you cards with the goal of um, anchoring people in the reality that each person who we encounter is more mm-hmm. is is a lot more than what we see. So in psychology, yes. I think that will be called a psychodynamic approach, exactly to understanding, to, to to seeking to understand other human beings, knowing that there are yeah. so many forces in their wholeness, yeah, in their both internally and externally that shape yeah. this this individual who is who is in your presence they themselves yeah. have a mystery 
and the presence that they bring. And so these cards, I, th- I think there are opportunities for people to be anchored in the present, to, mm-hmm. to not make assumptions, that but to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I think joy happens in the present moment. Yeah. And these cards facilitate moments of joy for people it because does. they're anchored in the present. And then I get to show up. I get to show up and be here and, and curious when I ask you. So if you had a warning label, Brittany, what would it be? Be like, she is direct. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or she or, overshares. <laughs> right, oh, right. Look, or it, and or another question. I mean, there's 120 questions. Mm-hmm. There are yellow questions that those help us explore what makes us unique. And then there are, there are blue questions. Okay. They sort of help us explore what makes us human. The questions the questions are color coded for self pacing. Okay. So within the conversation. Trust is so important in getting to know the individual, the mystery mm-hmm. that is in, in front of you. So the, the questions, some questions are a little are a little deep. They they sort of extend yeah, the bandwidth of relationship. Yes. So we 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 built into the game is an opportunity yeah. for for self for self-pacing so that yeah. an individual can can to the degree that they want to share. Yeah experience reciprocity, right? Or begin to experience reciprocity, being seen and known. Yeah. And I was going to say, for Uh those who have never seen a Like You card, they're basically these conversation cards and they have a discussion or question prompt on Mm -hmm. the card. Um, And so we use them for our event where pretty much everyone was strangers. Maybe they knew one other person they came with. We mixed everyone up in groups Mm -hmm. and then they were in groups of people that they had just met and then they had to use one of these cards. And, you know, some people told me they're like, it got deep fast. You know, like one person got a card that was like, what is your biggest fear that you haven't shared with anyone? Or like, you know, something like that. And it's, they're really beneficial. And so, yeah, I love that you are trying to bridge connection and understanding and just even just mutual respect and trying to break down those walls of assumptions that cause us to categorize people. We've Mm. talked about that a lot. And so when thinking about cancel culture, Mm. um, because it is also to combat cancel culture, Mm. what, this is a loaded big question, but just what are your general thoughts, like for starters on cancel culture, if you were to kind of try to summarize some of your thoughts about it? I think cancel culture undermines Mm. our ability to see and know ourselves and see and know others in their fullness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, so there's a saying that I love that because I myself am always in the need of prayer when it comes to judging others and right. canceling others. Right. There's a saying, the right and the wrong are in the weak and in the strong. That reminds me hmm. and anchors me and acknowledging the multifaceted yeah. nature of each and every human being and even reminds me of of like I said my own my own bias and yeah and 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 reminds me that we are all my therapist likes to say we live life on a continuum yes absolutely which is to say that whenever we're describing even ourselves or listening to other people describe themselves we're mm-hmm. always speaking to the idealized version of ourselves is what creates space for us to be on our journey. Yeah. It's almost like we are in essence the already not yet. Yes, yes. While 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 we're while exactly. we're living and so I think that cancel culture 
what it does is it it takes away the dignity from each life, mm-hmm. especially in the continuation. In, in the continuation, they're on, right? Yeah. So yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I and and me and Ranella were kind of talking about like, okay, there's nuance in that. There are situations where maybe uh, there does need to be accountability, and you know, even the difference between accountability and just mm-hmm. being wholly canceled are probably two completely different things. Mm. Do you think that it does promote a culture of fear of expression and self-censorship, you know, Mm. on one hand? Because I know that with that now, a lot of people, and you don't even have to be a big time celebrity person. People are just afraid to share their thoughts, to share their opinions, to share anything because they're afraid that someone somewhere is going to cancel them. Mm, So, yes. And I think even (laughs) the canceling, the person who is seeking to cancel or the culture that's seeking to cancel the individual, that root is actually fear. Fear of the, Mm -hmm. fear of the dichotomy that exists. Because I think there's a, there's a British uh, psychologist, her name was Megan Klein. She talked about how when people feel helpless mm-hmm. and uh, fearful, it's easy to make life and people and events black and white. Right. And there's this sort of there's this sort of grieving that you go through when you realize, like, wow, I, I actually life is much more expansive than good, bad, right, wrong. And there are, even even in myself. Even in myself. Even in myself. So I think that, uh, I think that, again, cancel culture undermines our ability to really Mm -hmm. understand and know our fullness and that of other people. Yeah, Yeah, you know, the truth is that no matter what you say, there's going to be someone who, agrees or disagrees, Mm. right? And um, I think there is a differentiation between difference of views Mm. versus, you know, views that actually lead to harm to others, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that with cancel culture, maybe some of that has gotten blurred, Mm -hmm. right? Versus like difference in people just being able to have certain views and beliefs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. versus, okay, no, there is this character or this person who is actually inflicting harm or impressing people like the Harvey Weinstein situations and stuff like that, Mm -hmm, where it's mm -hmm. like, no, they need to be accountable for the people that they have Mm -hmm. physically harmed or what have you. But I think that cancel culture also brings awareness to how other people really do think and feel in the world, right? And so it's like when you silence everything, Mm -hmm. it's like, then you don't get to learn like, what other people in other parts of the country are really thinking and feeling. Mm. You know, you can Mm. silence it, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. And so I think for a lot of us, you know, when certain voices started coming out in 2020, Mm. it was kind of like, oh, now we really know, Mm. you know, how maybe this pastor thinks about this or that. Or now we really know how some people in America feel about this or that. And it actually even brings up a conversation for dialogue. Um, and so I think that that is something that I, I think is necessary, you know, as someone who has friends and people in my own community who come from a variety of beliefs and backgrounds, it's like helpful for me to know where they are, mm. like and what they're thinking mm. um, and how to go about dialoguing in these very high stakes conversations. Mm. So how do you think we can differentiate between cancel culture and genuine activism or advocacy for social change? What might be some key distinctions? Are there situations 
where like that advocacy and activism is warranted. Mm, I I think cancel culture Mm -hmm. seeks to take away the dignity Mm -hmm. that each person has, each individual has. And I think advocacy and activism seeks to restore the dignity of humans. Of of humans. I think that's the difference. That's huge. Mm. Yeah, because cancel culture just completely, as we talk about, usually there's a power dynamic, right? Mm. Where you're trying to maybe take down an individual who has more power and is able to maybe take advantage of certain things or cause harm or oppression in certain areas in which maybe the traditional methods of trying to get to them may not work because they have more power. Mm -hmm. So people... Um, use things like maybe advocacy or mm. boycotting to try to gain, to make it more a democratic, to make mm. it more of a dip- diplomatic thing where more people, the, re- the voice is restored more to the people maybe than that person in power who might be causing some type of harm. I think um, the underlying motivation mm-hmm. is one that seeks to help. I get where you're going. Activism yeah. and advocacy. Yeah. And whereas the underlying motivation of cancel culture is to strip you and and essentially to box you in. Right. Because we can essentially maybe, how do I say, maybe strip someone of their position or Mm -hmm. title as a form of accountability Accountability. without stripping them as a human. Mm -hmm. Of their story, of their dignity, of their experiences, of their... yeah. And that that is a, that is a mm-hmm. difference, and one that I think we just maybe need to ruminate more mm-hmm. on um, on that nuance is that are we trying to maybe strip maybe some of the positions or things that are in structures and things that are in place that allow that enable them to continue doing harm, or are we just completely stripping them down as a human being? Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. think there's there's a difference when we're thinking about canceling versus accountability, which is kind of what I'm hearing. I think accountability is about calling someone to be congruent mm-hmm. based upon their actions that impact and affect the community. Right. Versus canceling someone is about stripping someone of their humanity. In essence, we're, right. we're, we're, we're splitting the individual. And I think it's hard it's hard to hold psychologically that no one is all bad yes, and that yes, no yes. one is all good. Yes. The right and the wrong are in the weak and then the right and the wrong are in the weak and the strong. Yeah. It's a remind even the characters that we like are complex characters. Yeah. Everyone loves Joe from you. Did you ever watch the I've show? I've never watched. Okay. He's essentially the serial killer. But because mm. you're in his head all the time, mm-hmm. a lot of people actually like that character. And I'm not like obviously condoning liking serial killers. Mm. But it's it, it's crazy because it goes to show how even someone who's doing like kind of like the worst thing that you could be doing in humanity, people are feeling different feeling, a variety of feelings for because they're coming from the perspective of being in his shoes as a character. Yeah. Which is wild. It, I, I mean, was not re- prepared to throw out that pop culture reference, but we watched that show. Yo. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. That our, I think our inability... Well, I, th- I think there's a fear that comes with yeah. our inability to control mm-hmm. the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. that... That gets that can get projected into society in the way of cancel yeah. culture. Just even the idea, the, the illusion of control, the idea that my current knowledge yeah. is sufficient enough to sustain me in yeah. a future that's constantly changing. And 
me myself, I'm always changing. I'm changing. And so I think yeah. it is a, I think the cancel culture is just so deep. I, I think folks who are so quick to cancel others, I would imagine probably suffer from from intense self-rejection at times. Because mm. I think I, I think the uh, I think the the willingness to split others signals a willingness to uh, split yourself. To split yourself. Yeah. That's what I think. That's fair. <laughs> That's a fair thought. Uh-huh. You know, the other thing that comes to mind drawing off of what you're saying with cancel culture is I think there aren't really any parameters mm-hmm. around cancel culture in terms of like, okay, when is someone maybe uncanceled? Mm-hmm. Right. And not only that, but once someone is canceled, now we have this large digital footprint of them being perceived as such a harmful person and that image stays with them for mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. too. And so even if they have grown, mm-hmm. even if they have progressed, even if they have changed, mm-hmm. they still have this over them. And so I think that's the other thing with cancel culture is it's like, are they able to be uncanceled? And what are the what are the protocols or things that are in place to then uncancel someone now that their image or their reputation has been so damaged and they've changed? Mm. You know, um, there's kind of no real um, limitations on it. No, and I think that's why it's dangerous. I there is a there is an attorney, um, Brian Stevenson, mm-hmm. and he talks about how each and every one of us is is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. Yeah. He writes a book called Just Mercy. Oh, and, yes. And, Saw um, the movie. Right? It's, so it's, it's incredible. I, I think in that, even when you talk about people like Harvey Weins, Weinstein, yeah. this, my, this may be controversial, but my belief is that there still may be good in Harvey Weinstein. Let me not even say good. I think that there still may be an opportunity for him to change. He is not all his actions like we are not all we are not all of our actions those actions are connected to values those actions are connected to beliefs to traumas to traumas and i think that i think that again cancel culture is just such an easy way canceling someone is an easy way to grab at the illusion of control yeah and that and Mm -hmm. that is in that same line and just being nuanced there. And that's not to say that someone shouldn't be held accountable for their actions. Absolutely or there not. Shouldn't, I want to make sure you guys know we're highlighting that too. Like there should be repercussions yeah. for an, for actions. There should be discipline or punishment. Or if someone is not safe, then maybe they do need to take a step back mm. until they learn how to be safe, you mm-hmm. know, around people again or what have you, you know? It doesn't mean that um, you can't set boundaries. I think some exactly. of the most boundaried people in my life are some of the most compassionate people. Yes. I think the more compassionate you are and the more that you understand people, yes. I think the clearer your the better boundary, boundaries, the better you boundaries totally. you can set. And totally. it doesn't have to be from a place, it doesn't have to be from an egoic place where right. I seek to split the individual. Right. How right. I, I can Judgment is about you. Assessment is about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can look at an individual and decide, okay, what's going to be best for me exactly. without splitting them or attempting yeah. in a sense to be God. Yeah. To know that I, to know their thoughts and their feelings and, yeah. and their life and what it's like to walk through yeah. their shoes. Yeah. Empathy takes skill and work. It is a skill. It's yeah. a skill. People think empathy is not a feeling. Empathy is actually totally, a practice. Totally. You, you, you practice, you don't feel empathetic, you practice empathy. Another yeah. great way to think about empathy is using your imagination. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can I use my imagination to step? Can I can I mm-hmm, can I attempt mm-hmm. to use my imag- imagination to step into the experience of yeah, someone else? Of this other it's person. it's it is a it is an act of your choice and your will to eat, yeah. to be empathetic. So I want to normalize that empathy yes. is a practice and it yeah. takes skill. Empathy is yeah. choosing to sit in that uncomfortable space. It really is a transcendent mm-hmm. kind of skill because mm-hmm. it's not a natural reaction. Well, because if the truth be <laughs> told, I think we all have blood on our hands. Well. And I think that I, I, I think that it's really easy to make, it's really easy. I'm going to just use an I statement. It's yeah. really easy for, well, a me statement. It's easy for me to make myself the hero mm-hmm. of the story. And yet every time I pick up my phone, like there's Coltan in it from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Every time I get gas, I oh, mean, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's just it's, it's <laughs> like this, this idea, I have to give grace in order Ew, to receive yeah. grace. Like I, I think a lot, I, I think what happens when we split people is that we become isolated because yeah. we we are we're caught in this illusion mm-hmm. that people don't have as, both assets and liabilities that they bring it's true. into relationships. And if you're if you're if you're looking for people to be perfect in relationships, then you're probably going to be alone. alone. I was gonna say you're gonna cancel everyone. You're gonna cancel you're everyone. And and I'm not saying that yeah. there are certain certain acts that are egregious because they are they there are egregious yeah. acts the touching of the taking advantage of a child is an egregious yeah. act and yet and yet mm-hmm. th- that that individual that did that is no less human yeah needs to be rehabilitated I actually wanted to bring up to you a scenario that happened. Okay, scenario. Um, it's, you know, it's funny. I don't even watch The Bachelor. So, but I know about this. And it was something that caught my eye because I had thoughts and feelings about it. And it was with Rachel Kirkconnell. She mm. was the winner of The Bachelor who came under fire for her social media history. Mm. And Rachel faced backlash for intending an antebellum plantation themed ball in 2018 at Georgia College and State University thrown by Kappa Alpha. Mm-hmm. First of all, she was canceled because it was basically kind of like a plantation party, mm-hmm. you know, and it was dressed up, I guess, in like Confederate flags and it highlights just that whole era, right? Of slavery. Of, and of human slavery and human rights being defiled, defiled. all of that. Mm-hmm. So according to Rachel's cousin, like from their perspective, the party's just really an excuse for college girls to put on pretty dresses and kind of get drunk and have fun. And that Rachel you know, does take accountability for her actions. And it's, for them, it wasn't racially motivated, but the core of the formal is wrong and undeniable. And once Rachel did learn of the deeply ingrained racism in Greek life, she did drop out of her sorority and was no longer affiliated during her senior year of college. And she did feel bad about going to the party. She wasn't aware of the history because the version that they threw is marketed as an old school party, not a Confederate celebration. Mm. Um, But her... Her not knowing, she basically had already gotten fully canceled on social media. You know, like one person on on Twitter was like, I'm beyond frustrated that Bachelor ABC doesn't do thorough research on their contestants. Rachel seems to be ignorant and racist, but they put her on the first Black Bachelor season. That was the other irony. This was the Bachelor season with the first African-American male Bachelor. Bachelor. 
And, you know, she had this resurfacing. Actually, Matt James, who was The Bachelor, who paired with her, and they're still together to this Mm. day, Mm -hmm. um, defended her in saying that, you know, she had horrible messages pouring into her inbox. And his role was just to console her and assure her that he knew who she was and that it would pass. Um, And she was about 22 years old when this party happened. And she Mm. kind of took it all down from social media. Mm. So I just remember when that surfaced and people were furious online. People were canceling her like, oh my gosh, she went to this plantation party, Mm. you know, and she's with the Black Bachelor. (laughs) There were so many ironies, I think, that were taking place. So many things culturally that were clashing. But I actually, for me, when I first read it, I, I believed that this was, you know, probably a party tradition and maybe like what she grew up in and what she saw. It was very normalized from like where she comes from. And it probably wasn't projected as something, you know, racist. And some people might believe she should have known that. But again, it was like, it was um, advertised to them in a different kind of way. And I I felt empathy for her. Mm. What did, I mean, what do you think? Dragger. Dragger. <laughs> Burn her at the Off stain. with her head. I feel empathy for her yeah. as well. And I and I also I also have to acknowledge that I'm not in her mind and I wasn't at the right. event. There right. is right. there there so many is times you could be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't I don't have enough knowing. information to even yeah. pass judgment. And I mean the bachelor itself, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. I mean to your point, there's no parameters there's no around parameters. cancel culture. So it can, it can, you, anyone can be canceled for anything. Yeah. It's arbitrary. And people get like death threats and stuff. And look, it's, or it's so bad. Look, even the idea, the idea that people would cancel someone after, and not even ever get to know them. Like just right. like, like the emotional toll. We don't even talk about the emotional toll that's paid for canceling someone who we don't even know. Like the expenditure of energy that goes into that is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about like, okay, I have a list here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. I have it broken up. I have like celebrities that were recently canceled. Mm. And then I have like people who were canceled in the Christian world. Let's run through it. And so first one, Will Smith after slapping Chris Rock. (laughs) So that one's interesting. Yeah. When you, I don't know if any of you all have, or if you've read Will Smith's autobiography. I just know a bit about his like dad, his upbringing (sighs) and everything like that. The book opens up with a story of him as a child watching his father Mm -hmm. hit his mother on the side of the head Mm. and him watching his mother fall to the ground. And I think he said blood came out of her ear and he said he didn't do anything. In that moment, he froze. And ever since then, he said, Mm. my performances... And, and my success have been an apology to my mother for being a, a coward. That's mm. how he opened up the book. Oh my gosh. So, 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 now, so now when we see what happened, when we, when we in view of his story, mm-hmm. and each of us has a story, by yeah. the way, uh, in view of his story and what happened with when he slapped Chris Rock, for commenting on his from wife. From commenting on his wife. On something sensitive, yeah. I wonder what came up for him. Mm-hmm. I wonder what 
I, I wonder to what, go to that what triggered to walk up to the stage right. and go to that length. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and holding Will Smith accountable. Yeah. Nobody made him go up on that stage <laughs> right. and slap Chris Rock. Right. However, when you're, when, so in psychology, right, we have the amygdala. That's the yes. emotional center of our brain that has first dibs on all of our experiences yeah. and hijacks. Your brain. It's, uh, it's, it's only through our frontal lobe and, yeah. and, and training yeah. in a sense if, if 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 we can through experience, yeah, if, we, if we haven't been traumatized, down, it will shut down. It's only through those frontal lobes, those decision makers, can we in the gap of that stimulus yeah. choose how to respond. Exactly. What yeah. what? I wonder what happened. Yeah. Who know? And we're not in his mind, so we don't know. We know what happened. Yeah, we saw the action. We saw. However, do I believe he should be canceled? Absolutely not. Right. Right. He Next. looks like he's back in a roll. Okay. <laughs> I got, I got, I got a list. No. Okay, we have R. Kelly. Ooh, I also think about <laughs> stepping the name of love. You know, I was in the Quinceanera <sighs> once. I was part of a, I was part of one of those crews for one of my friends' yeah. quinceañeras. And and forgive me if I'm, I, it's like quinceañera. Yeah, with the, it's it's like that role. <laughs> forgive it. me for that role, not not being able to do that. <laughs> I heard it in there. Oh, you heard it? Okay. Yeah, I did. So. Yeah, we did. Step in the name of love. That was the song. Right? Yeah. Even Drake, in his he has a current album where he's talking about not judging a girl for still listening to, to R. Kelly. And Ooh. that's, I mean, that one is, uh, that one's complex because I'm an artist and I think, well, yes, part of my identity yeah. as an artist is, do can you separate the art from the- That's a big question. Fr- from the individual. Now, you, now that's another question. You asked me, right. should he be canceled? I mean, he's in jail. So he's in jail. He he, he he should be held accountable. However, yeah, I I think growing up there were some childhood issues with R. Kelly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that impacted his perception of yes. of reality, and also our yeah, our, he was sexually uh, violated. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's which also, doesn't excuse anything, obviously, no, but it no. and far as far as getting into the mind of different factors that could have led someone to these places. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, our gifts and our our gifts and our brokenness are not mutually ex- exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. They exist. Together. This one's probably a little related to uh, Chris Brown. Who I watched his documentary. Okay, and he I did grew, not. he grew up he grew up watching I think his mom get beat he also by was, his yeah. stepdad. He also was exposed to abuse. You can see this like common theme mm-hmm. running behind these people. Mm-hmm. Kanye West. They <laughs> were like deep breaths. <laughs> Kanye West has admitted to mm-hmm. suffering from, from bipolar mental health issues. Yeah. He talks about being on Lexapro. I mean, it's literally in yeah. his raps. Should he be held accountable? Absolutely. Yeah. However, should we take into account his mental health challenges and the context? And strip of him that. of everything that he's done, contributed who he has, yeah. who he is, who he's going to be, act as if we know everything about yeah. him. I think that's the illusion of, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. celebrity and pop culture, that we know these people. Right. Okay. I mean, that's the illusion of we meeting someone. We think we know these yeah. people. We think, we, a, we, think we know people. But we don't. We just know of We what know they their public online. persona. Yeah. We don't know their private life, and right. we definitely don't know their secret life. Yeah. Okay, I'm switching it up. Mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss. 
I don't know too much about Dr. Apparently Seuss. there were racist things in his work mm. or undertones in his mm. work, but mm. for further discussion upon research, mm. Jesse Smollett. <laughs> I'm sorry. That whole scenario is just so ridiculous that it cracks me up every time. Mm. I'm like, mm. What? It, mm. But it does make me think like, what was going mm. through his head? For those who don't know, you know, he had put out that he had been like robbed or like abused, but it turned out that he had staged it and paid a couple guys to rough him up and all of that came out. And so everyone like canceled him behind that. I think that's why, again, ass assessment and asking questions mm -hmm. is so incredibly important because words are wind. I think actions actions can allow us to be a bit more directional and yeah. uh, assessing actions asking questions yeah. and assessing actions can allow us to to yeah, get a whole get picture. a better understanding yeah. like what of an happened? individual Why, and then and then how much how much pain do you have to be in or or right how out of control do you feel where you have to create a lie. Yeah, that's what I always wonder. I'm like, uh, and, 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 and double down on the lie. Double and go that far. Yeah. Like something was going on. <laughs> but it's funny when the judge like called in uh, his friends, they was like, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, it was him. <laughs> yeah, Lord. he put us up to it. Okay, Who else? for the saints, because, you know. Let's talk about let's that. Let's talk about it for the saints. Because they're going to be like, mm, I thought this was a faith podcast. Uh -huh. um, Ravi Zacharias. Yo. Dude, that hurt. That one hurt. Yo. That one hurt. He's such a pimp. Yo. Yo, he, he was like OG. I was like, yo, you yeah. had whole brothels and like cell oh, phones. like an other, actual pimp. Like he, he was, was an, an actual, actual pimp. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, like he was a for real. He was. Hustler. Wow. Like hustler, pimp, like, and, and. He was a lot of things, uh, a womanizer, philanderer, what, like, Jeez. whoa. That, 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 that one was so blindsiding yeah. to everyone. That was one where really nobody saw that. Yeah. He, for those who aren't familiar, he's a Christian apologetic, apologist. You know, he did a lot of, a lot of us were raised on him in the church, mm. did a lot around Christian apologetics mm. and just kind of like, helping you believe what you believe or making sense of it, what have you. But he was just really huge in the community. To be canceled after you're dead. Well, well, well I think I think the what's so egregious is appropriating spirituality because you're you're essentially right. Oh my gosh, yes. You're 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 essentially sort of um like when we think of postmortem rewards and punishments and yeah. and in eternity. Like yeah. and and all that comes into even the 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 power dynamic between yeah. the leader who sets themselves up as hearing from God and the the, the follower yes. as the sheep. Yes. I think that is what you know what? Yes. Ravi Zacharias has a special place. I'm not gonna say in hell, but somewhere. Because, <laughs> because somewhere. I, I, the, the, only, the only reason why I say that is because, and this might sound like I'm talking from both sides of my mouth. The reason why I say that is because he died. Like there was he, there's no way. I mean, God knew, God, but like nobody knew. And it was and and to think he thought he died with this legacy. But then all this came out after you die and it just tarnishes your entire life's work. What what if he could just live in his truth though? 
Because he's a great apologist. Like, like if he just continued <laughs> pimping at the same time publicly as using his gifts, like, would that be? <laughs> but he was. But he was but doing it. But we just it. didn't know but about it. But just wasn't public. And, 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 and also, and, and here's the complexity of it. He was great. At both. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> he was gifted. He was both. gifted. Ew. Yeah. In you deception. Know, it's, it's, it, and, 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 uh, and. And pimping. A, a, a gifting at pimping, at convincing. He made a great apologist. Oh, my god! He defended the faith. That's he, so he, scary. That, that same defense of the faith probably allowed him to, to defend justify his and pimping. defend his actions. Oh, it, that's so scary to me that, like, someone can go, like, completely be living a double life and just, like, you not know at all and have no hint of it. I but think I, so but then again, we're not are. close enough. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's the other thing I think also with cancel culture that we're talking about as a whole is that we're just, we're not close enough to people mm -hmm. to understand, like, their framework and what's going on in the fullness of their lives and everything to where all we see are the actions that come out. And we're not close enough to see these other things, you know? And so because of that, we're going to quickly cancel the actions, which there should be accountability. But we don't have this holistic perspective of them as a human because we're simply not close enough. And we may never get close enough to some of these people. And we may never get the whys behind some of their actions, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. so we really can only judge them based off of what the actions are that come out. But it does lead to this very like unnuanced, you know, judgment of people because that's, it's actually all we have to go off of. You have to unplug from the matrix of <laughs> believing that. that your, again, your current knowledge or your current perception is yeah. reality. Is the only reality. Okay. But it's also liberating because I don't have to, again, I've, I can release the heavier weight yeah. of, of judging others. I can drink water and mind my own business. And there's enough. Drink my water and mind my own <laughs> business. Enough, there's enough for me to be involved with. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that there aren't places for accountability. There definitely are. There are, definitely are. However, right. I think to your point, we got to expand yeah. The ways in which we view individuals. A lot of therapy is about integration. Yes. Right? Integrating so, all the parts of you. I have one more person mm, and then I have one last question. Cool. I actually have a million questions. Okay. But for the sake of time. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you know about this, mm. but um, Andy Stanley has mm. recently been, I don't know if I want to say canceled, but he's been controversial in the Christian world um, because he had an unconditional conference and this was a two-day event in late September for Christian parents with LGBTQ children mm. and ministry leaders looking to discover ways to support parents and LGBTQ children in their churches. Mm. And apparently a lot of people are pissed off that he did this. Mm. I'm assuming specifically because of the LGBTQ part, you know, that he's creating a space for people to support their children mm. or support others in their church mm. who are experiencing this in their lives. Mm -hmm. I think there's a fear around yeah. talking about things that are un uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think in order to experience the growth and the healing that yeah. can come from a relationship yeah. and in community, we have to be able to tell the truth about our experiences. Yes, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it has to be a shared truth, but I have to be able to say this is what's going on in my inner reality yeah. in a space that's safe. There's an yes. idea. Yeah. Uh, there's an idea in 
homelessness work called harm reduction. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea that when when you're serving someone who has been experiencing homelessness, you meet them exactly where they are. Exactly. Yeah. Because in the safety yeah. of community and in in the safety of support, yeah. that you all can co-collaborate to make choices together yes. that that benefit that, that individual. Yeah. It's, I think, yeah, it's, it's... Especially because we know that in the research mm-hmm. that, you know, especially for these kids and whatnot that are going through these things, if they don't have a safe space, it leads to higher rates of suicide, mm-hmm. you know, and that disconnection from family and, and all of these things. It's actually even often co-occurring with substance use, you know? And so it's like, again, getting back to the humanity of people, and we want to have, like you said, harm reduction. Mm-hmm. I heard a saying. Because now you're putting your views above the human and just where they actually are. But yeah, you're putting your doctrine above a human being. And it's there's a saying, all love comes with wounds and suffering. But if you really want to know who or what someone loves, watch what they're willing to suffer over. The mm-hmm, reason why mm-hmm. I think that our that that people's hearts don't break and seek to yeah. show up to the mystery of that LGBTQ youth or whatever label you want to give them. Because there's tons of labels there's outside of, a lot of sexuality. Labels. Yeah, that's true. The reason why we don't, I, I think the reason why people don't show up is because it's, because the time, the mm-hmm. time and then the investment that it takes yeah. and the the having to release control is inconvenient. Yeah, and sit with the discomfort. Period. And I think you know? what's and I think and I think it's into, I think it's intolerable. The emotion, mm. those emotions are so intolerable that I would actually rather condemn and as just if cut that, this all off and cut this all off and erase and put it under the rug and not talk about it yeah. than to actually. And we're gonna condemn anyone else who who doesn't do this too. And it's just, it makes me sad to be honest. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck in that world. Because it's like, why wouldn't you want to connect with the human Mm -hmm. and learn their story and create a safe space, if nothing else, Mm -hmm. for them in their, Mm -hmm. as we've been saying, continuation Mm -hmm. journey? Mm -hmm. Because haven't you been on a journey? Haven't there been places in your life that have not been congruent? Aren't, aren't there areas yeah. in your life where you're a victor in one area, but also a victim in another? I mean, how, I mean, let's yeah, just yeah, talk yeah. about it. I, th- yeah. I think, I think, are there are there places in your life that are are scattered all over the place? And yeah, that you're trying to figure out. No, there's not. <laughs> no, like, I have complete no, no, clarity right. and certainty about every right part there, of me, my, everything, always, all the time, all the time. Yeah. But you don't give a space yeah. for other Let, people to yeah. learn that for themselves. Yeah. Let's embrace let's embrace the endlessly knowable. Let's yeah. engage life with curiosity it, and and be awakened to the awe and the journey of life instead yeah. of just Yeah. Categorizing people into just one thing for all of eternity. <laughs> okay. We've talked about a lot. I think the last thing I want to ask, because we, um, because Like You Cards really is based around the power of once you connect with someone's story and it causes you to break down your assumptions Mm -hmm. and really learn the person and open your eyes to the different parts of someone. Mm -hmm. What do you believe is 
the power of storytelling and of hearing people's stories in light of the way that we cancel people today and dichotomize and black and white people today. Mm -hmm. What is the power of stories and what are some practical ways we can foster a culture of empathy and open dialogue in an age of cancel culture? I know that's a loaded question. It's kind of two-part. Dr. Greg Boyle, I think that's his name, of Homeboy Industries, Father Greg Boyle of mm. Homeboy Industries, he says, when we know someone's story, we can no longer demonize them. Mm. So I so so I think that part. I think the story exchange draws us closer to one another. Yeah. And and is the foundation for for community. Mm-hmm. Try your best to adopt a posture of being a student of someone else's story. Yeah. Be interested. Be be interested and 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 if parts of your story are rough, seek out individuals in your community, whether that those are therapists, counselors, people who you trust, so that you can begin to review your story mm-hmm. so that you can you can get a bit more comfortable with who you are. I support people who are telling stories. Support people who are having yeah. conversations that encourage people to to share their stories. And so I think those are some practical ways. Um, yeah. buy, buy our card game. Yeah, get the we're in Target, cards. We're in Kohl's. Heck yeah. Next year we'll be in Barnes & Noble. Buy, buy, invest in products mm-hmm. that create spaces where people can exchange stories so that we can dismantle the illusion. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the illusion yeah. that assumptions often provide. I was going to say, we're going into the holidays, Thanksgiving. Bring it to the Thanksgiving table. Some people are like, heck no, we have enough craziness. But no, bring it to the table. I also want to say we have a loneliness epidemic. Yes. In our, our, I believe in our country. Yeah. And so loneliness is um, not having anyone in which to share your life experiences with. Yeah. And... um, our, our brains were made to be in community with yes. other people. I, th- I believe that's science. And so just the practical benefits of, of storytelling are, are that your relationships are directly connected to your happiness. There's a Harvard study that was done. You all can look it up. There's a TED Talk on it. But our, our happiness is directly tied to the quality of our relationships. Yeah. And so... And meaningful conversations. Meaningful, right? Meaningful, meaningful relationships, and yeah. and I think meaningful relationship happens when I don't make assumptions. I ask questions. I show up to the mystery of who you yeah. are. I get to know not just what you do, but but yeah. why you do it. Yeah, I know we love to ask the question, "What do you do?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, there was a storytelling event that I went to that you were speaking at as well mm. as some of my friends, and oh my gosh, I was like, I, I need to for my mind, for mm. my soul, go mm. to one of these like once a month. Mm. I got to hear from the perspectives of people who are going through disability and severe disability, perspectives of people dealing with you know special needs situations or just variety spaces and positions and places in life. Mm that just makes you so empathetic and it's such a thing to practice. And so I definitely encourage going into those spaces where you hear people's stories, especially that are different than you, Yes, you know, to expand yourself. Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Michael, for this discussion. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, let's continue the conversation and stay connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, all linked in the show notes below. 
let us know your thoughts or leave a review on the podcast. Your feedback really does mean so much to us. Until next time.